one of the things we miss is telling the human story. We talk about the brand. We talk about the company did this. Companies don't do things. People do things. I think it's important to put the people in the focus and put the company in the background. So it's not like it's not there, but I want to tell a story of Sam. Sam doing this makes Sam the hero and people connect with people. They don't connect with companies. Hey folks, and welcome to another great episode we have today of the State of Customer Storytelling, the podcast where we examine how B2B marketing leaders can actually make customer stories your you know, competitive advantage in your go-to-market. Our guest today is the fantastic Harsha Kalapala. He is the Senior Director of Product Marketing Brand at Trust Radius in Austin, Texas. He has a very wide breadth of experience having worked in B2B SaaS, enterprise, um, in, with senior and executive leadership at really everything from the, the seed to you know, growth stage, as well as established large companies and corporations and e-com, IT, fintech, and also construction tech. Harsha, welcome to the show. Sam, it's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate the very kind and generous introduction. Absolutely. And let's just dive right into it. To kick us off, you know, What's the big deal with with customer storytelling in B two B? You know, why do customer stories you know matter? It's a great question to ask, Sam, and it's a great question for every marketer to ask today. the The fundamental premise of this conversation, I think, is that buyers are changing, not just their mindset, but who they are is changing, and it's changing rapidly. And I'm talking about research, not just my opinion. Um, there's recent studies that that show that majority of the buyers are now millennials, over 60% of them are millennials. So as a result of that, the way they behave, the way you can expect the buyer to behave is going to be different. So the characteristics of millennials, as you can guess, is going to be different than the previous generation from Gen Xers and baby boomers. The fact that they want to do their own research, they want to come to their own conclusion, um, changes the way they behave and the changes the way marketers influence that behavior. So most most millennials want to self serve. They they trust their peers and their their networks uh, point of view more than any other source out there. Um, that's a big difference, you know, from the previous generations. Is millennials um, don't really look at traditional analyst reports as much, and when they do, they give it less weight compared to their peers' uh, feedback and their inner circle and and the next circle. Uh, but they but they really uh, rely on people like them to make decisions about what they're going to purchase in general, right, in life. But it becomes even more focused when it comes to B2B software. Um, so that's that's an important underlying trend. And, and a lot of these people are, they're self-educating before they even come talk to you, right? Like some research shows, and this is a study from Bain that was recently published that shows 94% of buyers um, self-educate before they ever talk to you. So I'm, I'm giving you all these stats, but like the, the, the premise of this, the underlying factor is that buyers want to self-serve. They don't want to talk to you. More than half of them typically make their make up their mind before they come talk to you. If they ever talk to you, right? About half of them don't ever talk half of the buying group don't ever talk to vendors, whether it's salespeople or marketers. So a lot of that activity is happening in the dark, so to speak. And 
it's it's really important for marketers to go beyond your traditional methods of reaching out to these folks and um, really figure out some creative ways, some new age methodologies to reach these people who are not explicitly uh, using the, they're not using channels that are traditionally relied on at, by marketers and they're not explicitly giving you their um, hand-raised intent that, hey, I wanna buy this stuff. So how do you how do you even get on their radar? And when you do, how do you convince them that you are the, the right choice to be made? So the, the challenge is, it's tough, but it's also different for the marketers today. I think, you know, some marketers would say, yeah, no, I totally agree. But like, I can do that, you know, with my own content or, you know, with our internal content, I guess, where do you see like the real, like, where does the, you know, customer content con in, in contrast with like, you know, your traditional marketing content? Yeah, so um, definitely you, you want to start with your own content. There is a lot that that is core to the story that you're trying to tell. But the challenge with that, Sam, is that you it's hard to keep up with with the content. It's hard to keep it current. Another aspect of uh, of millennials trusting their their peers is also they look for the more current information. So whatever stories you create, whatever um, testimonials or whatever you capture has to be kept fresh, has to be kept current. And it's not just about the the timestamp of it. It's the fact that your business model is constantly changing, right? It's constantly evolving to the customer needs. And most companies, most tech companies for sure, will agree with that fact because they're constantly trying to keep up with the shifting trends in, in, the, in the market. And as a result, how their company's product portfolio evolves, how the use cases that they address evolves. So when so much evolution is happening, you have to make sure that the story you're telling through the customer's voice is directly covering those use cases and it's directly addressing what your buyers want to and need to hear. So true, so true. And I wanna drill down into the self-serve aspect, which I think is really interesting and, and true. Do you think like uh, traditionally in B2B, we, uh, especially for large purchases, right? Like reference calls have been a staple, but the, I mean, let's be honest, like they're sort of bad for every, for everyone and you can burn out your references. You can, I mean, I'm curious, like, do you think, um, like the, the future is like more evidence and like less reliance on references or, or will reference calls, like, you know, always be a, as big of a thing. And actually, I don't know. I, I'm curious, like if there's any data on that, like maybe is it the rise of evidence and the decline of, of reference, but yeah, I'd love to know if you have any you know thoughts or insight on, on that sort of dichotomy yeah that's a great question about reference calls i didn't see any particular research on that exact metric but what i what i will say is that there is a there is a place for reference calls right like same same as there is a place for analyst reports it's just that the way it's been used the frequency of its use is going down so it's really important to think about it's yes and we have that Okay, some, especially when and you go more enterprise, when you go more considered purchases, reference calls do become important to have in your back pocket if, if your prospect really needs it. Also, you know, you only have so many favors to ask of customers, especially if you are a high ACV, high average contract value business, you don't have that many customers. Every customer touch point is important. So you, don't, you wouldn't wanna waste those, those touch points 
with shallow requests and multiple requests. So it's really important to save those for your best business drivers. So having that reference list is important. So I work for Trust Radius, right? And one of the features that we offer through our reviews is for users to to also they kind of check their check a box in the process to be hand raisers. They want to be a reference. So it's an advantage while getting a review, you even get people automatically, a list of people to pull from. Uh, and we do that because there is a need for it and we want to serve that need. And people are getting a lot of benefit from it because it takes a lot of energy, a lot of permissions and back and forth. Uh, you know, you've in your business, I'm sure you've experienced that as well to get the right people to say, OK, I'll be a reference. But if you if you get those early on and have them as a again, a thing in your back pocket, that's that would be great. But what you want today, Sam, is reference at scale. References that don't necessarily have to be a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but they can be detailed enough that you could scale their use for multiple people because it really answers all their questions that we've asked in a reference call anyway. And that comes from, you know, maybe a little biased talking about this, but that comes from deep reviews. And that's what we focus on at Frustradius. And I love working this kind of a product because it solves a real existing and, and pertinent problem that like, it kind of goes back to that point that you don't want to waste your valuable touch points, especially when each each customer's favors are limited. So when you ask somebody for a review, for example, make sure that ask is going to give you the best outcome, right? And, and, and in a written review format, you make sure that it's deep enough. In the case of uh, Testimonial Hero, your company, getting that in-depth story in that one single touch is going to pay dividends over time. It's going to be, it's going to be that depth that that really helps you out. That, that's such a good point. It's like in terms of this, it's like that almost like political capital that you have like a finite amount to spend, right? And and whether it's you know review, it's like don't just ask for like you, know, you have you have one ask, so it's like don't just ask for like a quote in email. Like get them to fill out an in depth trust radius review, like. Cause you, you don't get to kind of go, you don't often get to like go back to them. It's like, might as well do it right. And yeah, uh, totally, totally agree. And so let's zoom back out in, in terms of, uh, you know, just like this, uh, setting the strategy, right? Cause I think a lot of, um, you know, in, 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 until maybe a couple of years ago, it, there wasn't, uh, you know, we, as you mentioned, we're seeing this shift where like the best, you know, marketers out there and the best B2B brands out there are are really amping up the customer stories. It's it's becoming like a true competitive advantage, you know, using obviously, you know, platforms like Trust Radius um and 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 frankly, you know, us as well. You know, how do you think about like setting a strategy? Like I know like a really popular way out there is just to do like a gap analysis, right? And it's like, well, where are we going? Like what are our priorities? Do we have and then where are the gaps in customer stories? But yeah, I'd love to hear from like how do you think about or what would you tell like a marketer who's like listening to this and it's like, okay, like I'm sold. Like we can't afford to sit on the sidelines and just, you know, kind of let customer stories happen as a total ad hoc process, you know, which was good enough, you know, a couple of years ago, that was good enough, but like not, not really anymore. Like what would you tell a marketer, uh, B2B, you know, software marketer who's like trying to figure out like how to set a strategy here? Yeah. Uh, great question. And, you know, even, even myself in, in my past, I've, I've, done this before so i totally understand why it happens but marketers bigger challenge is that we treat these as i'll cross that bridge when i get to it sort of a thing um and we create some you know we work hard 
to create some testimonials. We go on a, a run to, to really reach out to our customer base, cover our, cover our bases on how we tell the story. And they're like, okay, we got it. We're good to go for another year or two, right? That just is, is a strategy that doesn't work anymore. Again, connects back to the fact that we have more of those buyers becoming um, our, our millennials. So they are expecting more relevance and, and social proof and recency. So you want to make sure that that combined with your shifting story, as we talked about before, it's important to cover those use cases. It's important to make sure that you have sort of a testimonial review strategy as an ongoing thing. You can't have that be a Tylenol sort of a thing. You want to make that a vitamin for your business, right? You want to keep having that uh, repository of, of customer, you know, proof, customer validation, um, and you you really the best strategy for marketers today is not to just write great copy, but cheat, use the copy and the words of your customers. That's the kind of language that they talk anyway. That's that's the language your buyers trust and hear. And um, that's the one big fundamental difference that smart marketers are shifting to today is becoming a good copywriter is about listening to what your customers are saying and repackaging that in the same language, but with probably a little bit more clarity and with a little bit more focus for the rest of your audience. So they can just really um, see what they're about to sign up for. And it's, it's just, the cheat here is to just make it true, is make it believable because it is the truth and it is coming from people like them. I love that. And I love the vitamin versus, you know, Tylenol analogy. It, to me, it's like, it's like that, that maxim, uh, what is it like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, an ounce of uh, just a, having a actual process and, you know, thought out is worth, you know, um, is way better than all of a sudden looking at your, you know, competitor's website and when they do a redesign and realizing that you're way behind on customer stories and like now you got to scramble, right? So like it's it's such a good uh, such a great analogy and, and and such a good point. We really have to rethink our our approach to you know the the traditional approach is um the old way is basically coming up with a narrative that you want to tell your prospect base and then finding the the customer testimonials and finding the the social proof to support that. Instead, the the tools that you have at your disposal as a marketer, the much better strategy is to start with what customers are saying. Really have that that ongoing supply of customer input is what's going to help you to give you that material to pull from. Right, use that to help define your your story and your narrative, and then you don't have to really go fish for something that to make. A, a square peg fit in a round hole. So it's all in, in the same vein. It's all in the same kind of storyline. So starting with the customer input, starting with a repository of their feedback and building your brand narrative based on that is just going to make everything fit like a glove. And it's going to make, again, it goes back to telling the telling a true story, telling it like it is, just with a little bit more clarity. That is such a good point and very actually counter- intuitive, right? To, and honestly, like uh, contrarian and, and as, you know, in, in a really good way, it's like, you know, it's almost an inversion, right? Of, you know, the old ways, like let's, let's locker, let's, let's go on a, let's go on an offsite and spend, you know, two days figuring out like, you know, what we think, you know, our story should be, or, you know, in, in let's uh, obviously there, there's, that's valuable in, in some respects, but like, it sounds like what you're advocating 
which makes a ton of sense is like, you know, let's also involve the customer in that take like a bottom up approach and shortcut all the time that we would be spending and frankly, get something that is, you know, way more, you know, real and powerful as well. Yeah, absolutely. And in my experience, Sam, I've, when I created copy without that perspective, when I created the messaging, it turns out to be just missing the mark because I'm too close to the business. You know, myself, the executive team, the product team are all too close to the business and we'll end up creating a, a story that's just hard to avoid this, but it's going to be biased towards our point of view. And it's going to be filled with jargon no matter how much we try to avoid it because we're going to use our words to describe it. But when we, when we, again, flip the script and start taking the customer's feedback and how they think about your product, how do they talk about it? How do they describe it to their friends at a bar? You turn that into, you just flip that around. It makes the strategy a lot easier for you to, to, to resolve and to kind of figure out, but it also makes it resonate with your base more than you, you'd imagine. Mm, so true. Yeah. As a, uh... You can't read the label from from inside the jar in, in, in almost every case. So yeah, that, that is such a such a good point. I, I want to move on to how do you actually identify, you know, which customers to feature? Because obviously at a, a smaller startup stage, it could just be obvious, you know, you know all your customers as as the marketer. Um, you know, at other stages, like, you know, how, how do you think about kind of navigating that situation when, you know, as, as the marketing leader, you may not have like direct visibility into, you know, the, the health or just like the, all the nuances of, of where customers are. Like, you know, if, if I'm a marketer, I've say, I want to make, you know, four video testimonials this year and, and create like 15, you know, third-party reviews this quarter. Like how do I actually go about, you know, or how might I go about identifying like who the candidates are for, for those, you know, advocacy activities? Yeah, Sam, I'm very passionate about this topic, actually. I'm glad you brought it up because there could be so many ways to spin a story. And like like we discussed earlier, a lot of times it would be biased based on your perspective. That's where it would like to, likely to start. But it is very, very important for a business, especially these days, to really solidify your, your persona and your buyer persona, your audience for who you're trying to tell the brand story and the product story, right? And not just like you start with the persona, you start with defining who they are, what do they care about, not just like in terms of business needs, but emotional needs. Uh, you know, people uh, make decisions with their heart, not not with their mind. So really understanding that perspective and what makes them tick. But then also the next step is clearly defining your ICP, your ideal customer profile. There's a lot of, hey, what about we're going to miss this, this type of uh, buyer or we're going to not appeal to that type of buyer. It's it's easy to sprawl and it's easy to kind of have those executive opinions kind of try to address all the needs. But it's really important to define that ICP that you can't afford to miss that. If you try to talk to everybody, you're going to talk to nobody. So um, understanding that focus and then connecting that with the use cases for those ICPs, right? What What problems are they trying to solve? Make sure that you address that at a consultative level. And um, you're bringing the testimony, again, it depends on where you're putting these quotes and testimonials and reviews and whatever it is. If you're putting it on the homepage, there is a different type of story you want to put there. You want to talk about kind of top funnel problem resolution perspective. You don't want to get weed into the product or get into the weeds about 
you know, how things work. Let's talk about the why at the beginning and, and, the, and even the ROI and the impact that it's made on an organization. So there's a place for different kinds of testimonials. You want to start there. You want to select those kind of testimonials, find your gaps for your ICP. Do we have the stories or is our target mid-market or enterprise? If it is, do we have enough, enough stories there that support the use cases that they really need to solve? Or if we're going down market, is our growth strategy? Do we have enough of those brands that this ideal customer profile is going to resonate with? At the end of the day, you want your audience to not only see that people are getting value, that your product solves the problem, but they also want to see themselves in those shoes. So you want to put up those brands and those titles and people that your ideal customer is going to really identify with. I feel like we're tying everything together from the previous points now as well. Like, you know, and you mentioned, you know, we didn't specifically hit on the, the importance of customer storytelling throughout the entire buyer journey, right? And that's such a good point because going back to the self, you know, buyers, millennial buyers, uh, self-serving, you know, I, I feel like customer customer stories, it, it used to be like, you know, maybe three, four years ago and, and, and sometimes some companies it still is. It used to be like, okay, like, the buyer gets to the certain checkpoint later in the buying process. And then, you know, we, we pull out the case studies to kind of like push them over the hump or kick them across the goal line or whatever, you know, metaphor idiom that, that people use. But the point is like, it sounds like what you're saying is like, it's really like that, that's very much the old game. And like the new game is, is not, Oh, like the new game is um, customer storytelling throughout the whole buyer journey. But then there's the nuance to it, right? Like, as you said, it's like, you have to consider, you know, people at the top of the funnel, they have very different, you know, concerns than, you know, someone who actually like people at the top of the funnel, they, they don't usually even know that they have a, they may not even admit that they have a problem yet. Right. So like, it sounds like that is, that is a key thing. It's like this whole, you know, buyer journey and, and understanding that in the light of what stories you put where. Yeah, there's absolutely a, a very well-known age old construct that still is true today on, on buyer awareness stages. You start with unaware. You might not even realize you have a problem, like you said. And then there's pain aware. You know you have a problem, but you don't really know that there are solutions or products for it. You're not even thinking about that. You're just researching a topic to see how you can solve that problem. And then you are solution aware. You know that there are different products out there, but really may not be aware of your specific product. And then product aware, aware of your specific product, didn't make a decision yet. And then fully aware, they probably really have done all their research. They're just trying to make a logistical call at this point. So there's all these stages um, and you want to address stories in this awareness stages. But I'll tell you, Sam, like my perspective of the funnel has changed quite a bit in the last few years. We know now that buyer journey is not linear. It's not linear anymore, we say, but I argue it probably has never been that linear. Uh, we just like to put it in a nice clean diagram, like a you know serious decisions funnel or something, but that's not the case anymore. When I, I work a lot with customers who use ABM platforms like Demandbase, Terminus, Sixth Sense, um, and what we're seeing is in that, the, the way that the, the buyer journey is tracked, people jump back and forth in those awareness stages all the time. And the way it's scored is, is, is different in each of these platforms, but people take their own kind of journey and it's just not linear. So when we create stories, when we create, you know, bring the customer voice to our story, we got to create a journey where people can hop around and self-serve again. 
they, they're not going to go through the funnel that we want them to go through. In general, we can say, okay, this is top of funnel awareness, mid and bottom, but people you know, are smart and savvy today and they have information at their fingertips in so many places that they can learn. They're going to pick their own path and we have to, the best we can do is be genuine and recognize those uh, stages of awareness of your product and your solution and bring the customer voice forward to take care of it. Such a simple, but incredibly deep insight. Like, you know, the buyer journey isn't like those funnels or those, it's not that clear cut, even though we you know, you, if you Google buyer journey, you know, that's what you get in Google image search, but it's, it's zigzags and loops yeah. and goes around. Exactly. Um, it's more of like a, maybe like a maze or like just a complete, you know, scribble. And then there's, yeah. Um, love that point. Um, let's talk about uh, a big challenge that, you know, getting approvals, right? Like that's a big, um, you know, thing that every, all marketers have to deal with, you know, whether it's, it's um, specifically approvals for participating, you know, uh, so it's like whether it's asking for, you know, a review, a third party review, like on Trustradius, uh, whether it's asking for a video testimonial, um, like testimonial hero um, or a reference call. There's always that sort of um, you know, delicate balance to, you know, get those agreements. Right. And what kind of tips or you know, perspective do you have to offer there, um, you know, for, for marketers who maybe haven't had as ex- much experience in with that? Yeah, Sam, I would say that. The most important thing that we forget, the most important thing about a story is the story itself. We put too much weight on getting people's names and and company names and uh, getting the full identity. And, and I'm all about it. I think it would be great if we get that. But it'll also limit how many stories we can capture. So just focus on getting the story from, let's say you go to a big name company like IBM or Dell or something like that. And you want to trying to get trying to get an approval from a, from a big brand takes time and takes kind of layers of approval. So maybe put that in a faster track uh, on, a, on a slower track. But first thing you can get is I can get this quote from a person at this company that I can say Fortune 100 company or something like that. And here is the title of that person. Here's what they said. As a buyer, that's more important to me that it's a verified review or, uh, or, or feedback from the right person. It matters less. It matters, but it matters less what exactly the name of the person is. So that's the way I think about it. That's the way I, I've learned that let's get it quickly and then get more kind of layers around that testimonial. But uh, it is really important to focus on getting as many stories as you can. And again, I think it comes down to the truth. We we focus a lot on the truth at Trust Radius. That is kind of the north star for us and your our compass, so to speak. You know, so we a lot of our reviews have the positive and negative, right? Even if it's like a ten out of ten review, you're still gonna have the we're we're gonna push for the reviewer to give us the negatives as well. Everything has a pro and con because it is important to pull out the truth, and we encourage this with our customers where. You know, we, we have a, a badge called a true kind of a true certification that is given to customers who really are, are not cherry picking their reviews, that they put it out there. They put it on there in product for people to just kind of go give it, not just connect it to good experiences all the time, put it on their website. So when, when you try to get that kind of a truth, then you're going to find good input coming out of it. And customer testimonials are not just about marketing. A lot of the value can also be, it's just you're listening to your customer. 
in that process, you're capturing what they're saying and using it for marketing. But a lot of our customers use it for product feedback. They use it for um, customer success processes, improving it. They use it for ways to improve themselves. So um, I would say when you seek a customer testimonial, seek it from the place of getting better as a company, as a brand. The secondary um, outcome would be putting the story out there. But if you seek it as getting true input, then you're going to get really, really good material that you can work with. That that's such a good good tip, and you know it's it's common sense, right? And it's just being genuine and and coming from the right place, in which I think everyone wants to do. Um, but maybe they're you know maybe it takes a lot of confidence and courage at the same time, right? It's kind of uh, uh, vulnerable, right, to, to to approach a customer like that. And um, yeah, that's a great great point that we should all you know remind ourselves that like it's it's okay to come from that place and like you know we want the the good and the bad we want the the truth and going back to your original question sam about getting approvals i think taking this path of seeking the truth is going to be a lot more easier because a lot of the time a hesitancy and approval from a company is like is this review too biased or is this quote too like is it going to put me in a in a in a tough spot as a brand because we're representing our brand because we want we we want to tell the truth and when you're letting people tell the truth, it's much easier to get approval, uh, no matter what it might be. How you use it in your marketing is really up to you, but getting that out of your customers and really listening is probably the, the path of least resistance to get approval internally and externally. Hey, we're looking for feedback. We're opening our ears, you know, one mouth, two years, one mouth, right? So uh, listening more and being able to open up that kind of a mindset within your internally within your org, but also the way you ask for that is going to get us more volume that we can work with. Yeah, that, that, that's so true. And um, let's, let's switch gears to talk about like the different formats and, you know, the pros and cons of, of, of each perhaps, and kind of where you see the space going. Um, how do you think about, you know, the different, you know, mediums and formats for, you know, customer storytelling, I, you know, specifically with the main, you know, big three being video testimonials, third party, you know, reviews, and then, you know, the old, you know, classic one, which is the, the written case study. Great question. I think it's important for us to think about customer proof as a portfolio of different types of assets. Uh, I think video is the most powerful um, because of how much empathy it has and how much you know, we talked about this earlier, is it the, the most important thing about any story is to get your prospect to resonate with it, uh, whether it is through a title or whether it's through a, a relatable company. But when you put a video on it, like it, it really adds that human dimension, right? Like a quote, a written quote, you don't you don't see the face. I mean, you can put a picture there, but you don't see the person behind that. It is it has its purpose. Um, and so does video like you video doesn't always replace a written quote because not everybody has that medium to play a sound and, and watch a video. But it is, I, I would say, whenever we can get a, a video testimonial, it can spin off a lot of things. You can take that video testimonial and convert it to a quote. You can take that convert to an audio clip like that is the, the mother of all. Right. <laughs> like we had a webinar the other day. Uh, we recently launched a partnership with Sixth Sense and we did a webinar with bringing two customers onto it along with Sixth Sense. So there's four of us having a conversation 
And it turned out to be a fantastic webinar with 90 plus percent of the people who attended the webinar stayed almost through the end, which you don't see happen very much unless it's a very engaging conversation. So at the end, we have this video recording. We are slicing it up. We are creating audio clips, video clips, um, you know, little things that sales can use, we can use in social. There's just so much you can do with one asset. So starting there is always very beneficial when you can, when you can get your hands on it. And especially, I love the kind of conversations where it's not just me talking to customers or customers just having a monologue. I love the conversations where two customers are having a dialogue about your brand and you're just there to facilitate the conversation. Those are genuine, trustworthy, and they bring out insights that like you don't even Im imagine to ask as a biased <laughs> persona in that conversation. That, yeah, uh, so much to unpack there. I mean, the video being the the sort of like the ultimate medium where you can kind of spin off all these different text, audio, et cetera. And then the the customers, talking to customers, how do you facilitate that? Like, is that, you know, something that happens at a, you know, user group or advisory board or the kind of digital, you know, or remote version of that? How does a marketer who wants to get those conversations going kind of, you know, facilitate that? Yeah, great question. It's a challenge for a lot of companies. Um, the the more siloed you are as teams within the org, the harder it is. Uh, with us, we're a very tight knit, nimble team. So, like, I am involved in customer success conversations all the time. It's not we don't plan for it. We just put ourselves in in positions where happenstance we hear something. Even like, let's say you and a customer success colleague are listening to the same conversation you would hear and capture different things because you come from different perspectives. Um, and basically as a marketer, inserting yourself into those conversations and not waiting for things to come to you, um, I think is the best approach to getting your hands on those, those really juicy and helpful customer clips. For example, if you go on Trustradius, Intent Data, Intent Data is one of our big initiatives that really is driving a lot of value for our customers and growth for our company today. And if you go to our, our company website on under intent data, every audio clip you see in there was not planned. It was with Alex McQuethy, one of our one of our customers and a demand gen leader. I was just having a conversation with her. I was part of a customer success call. The last five, 10 minutes, I asked, hey, Alex, can I ask you some questions about how you think about intent data? And she was just having a conversation with me. It's a bad quality video. And we've spent, this is another thread, we spent too much time thinking about quality. I think it is helpful, but what's more important is the quality of the conversation, right? And I just took those clips and there are three or four of those all over our website. It tells the story perfectly. So putting yourself in situations where you can grab those anecdotes and they're not as planned. And Alex at the end of the call was like, well, I'm happy to re-record this if you want like a more cleaner conversation. And I'm like, no, this is genuine. This is perfect. We're just going to use this. Um, and even, you know, I asked you, Sam, before this call, like, hey, I don't have a, I only have a, a MacBook Pro camera. Is that good enough? And your response was exactly on the same lines. That's, it's great if you have a good camera, but what's more important is the conversation and the value and the story that we get from it. So true. And in terms of uh, the, so third party reviews and actually versus, you know, the, case studies, right? Like the written case study. So like for us, you know, we don't actually do any written case studies. We have found that 
third-party reviews like like Trust Radius and video testimonials are basically all, all, all we need. I mean, that could change, but like that's been been great for us. I sort of feel like you know, I'm sure there's a, still a place for you know written case studies, but I I do think there's probably like a need to evolve them, right? Um, what I'm genuinely curious, like, what are your thoughts there? Obviously, maybe a little biased with Trust Radius, but like, what are your thoughts on like, you know, what is the what is the place of like the kind of um, the written case study nowadays, and and if it's if it's going to be still be relevant, like. You know, is it still relevant? And, and if it's going to be relevant, how how do, does it change? Because like, let's be honest, like a lot of these PDF case studies are becoming, you know, if they're still done the way they're done five years ago, they're they're completely relevant, right? Yeah, I mean, I fall asleep reading most case studies, right? Like, that's that's the challenge you're bringing up is case studies can't similar to the buyer journey. You can't do the same thing we used to do and be effective with it. Like we got to rethink case studies, white papers, all these things. They apply more to some industries like more technical IT or research-based industries. Uh, people are looking for some of those, you know, factual knowledge, less opinions. But case studies end up being more opinions too. It more It's end up being how you tell your story. And I think there's a couple of things there. The main focus is should be telling the story in the customer's point of view. One of the things we miss is telling the human story. We talk about the brand. We talk about the company did this. Companies don't do things. People do things. I think it's important to put the people in the focus and put the company in the background. So it's not like it's not there, but the story, I want to tell the story of Sam. I don't want to tell the story of testimonial hero, right? I like it's, it's Sam doing this makes Sam the hero and people connect with people. They don't connect with companies. So it's important for us to bring those forwarding stories. And I love seeing that when, when I see your video testimonials that you guys produce, you have a lot of focus on the human and their success story in the background of the company, which is what people want as a buyer. Like when, I, when I'm looking at it as a prospect, the empathy that I want to feel is that I can do what this person's doing. I can be a hero too, right? Um, so that's what we want to make sure we don't miss when we capture these stories. And the same thing applies to case studies as well. A lot of case studies tend to be dry because they talk about just the out, like, you know, your traditional business school format, context, action, result. Great. That's good. But don't leave the human out. Put the human back into the story. And I start most of my case studies with this person is at this role at this company. And here's the challenge that they were trying to solve at the time when they started talking to Trust Radius. And here's how they went and solved that problem. So you're just a, it's, it's a hero's journey, right? You guys do this in your storytelling as well. And uh, the hero's journey is not just limited to video testimonials and, and marketing in general. It, it should be applied to all aspects of marketing. That includes how you write your case studies. And that will resonate with your audience, which, again, connects back to the millennial audience who's looking for more truth, more human marketing. Um, less jargon. And uh, that's what kind of brings all your marketing materials to be in unison and really resonate with who you're trying to reach. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that exactly connects back to, you know, the buyers, the whole like buyers, your journey and, and such, because um, at least speaking for for us and, and video testimonials, like I love telling the human story, but that's exactly why we create, you know, multiple versions of the video for different you know, attention spans, right? Because like, 
it can actually take, you know, 30, 45 seconds to, you know, set the, um, set the context around that human story. And if someone is super early on in the funnel and, and they, they don't even have that problem, you know, awareness, they, they may not stick around, right? They, that may be early on might be a better time for the 30 second, you know, video testimonial that's more, you know, problem specific, right? So like, it's such a good point and it ties back to that customer journey. And the, the way I, I think of it is like, as the buyer goes through the journey, you know, even though it's not linear, you, you sort of earn, you know, more of their attention, the, the longer they, they go through it, right? Like we think of it as like, you, we can't expect them to, you know, cons- consume as much, you know, uh, content you know, early on, right? So like, we don't, that's why we have, you know, the 30 second, you know, testimonial version early on. But yeah, do you think of it, it to that extent, like how you kind of have to like earn their trust and earn their attention and therefore like, you know, as, as it proceeds and therefore they'll, they'll consume more of, of your customer content? Yeah, earning people's trust and attention, I think is the, at the core of marketing in general, right? If you take a very simple use case, like writing copy for a web page or a case study, um, and very many leaders have said this in marketing, and I love hearing this more and more in our space right now, but the goal of a headline is to get you to read the next line. And the goal of that next line is to get you to read the next line and so on. Dave Gerard talks about this. He's a, he's a um, chief brand officer now at Drift. And like I, I, that I think is super true. Like when you're trying to get people's attention, the way to tell a story is to get that progressive trust and that build curiosity, but also give them value in each thing that they read. And that translates not just to copywriting, but the way you tell a video story, the way you tell any kind of a marketing narrative is people's attention is really short, Sam, as you know, there's so much going on, so much to consume, so many distractions with an information heavy world today. You can't keep people's attention um, unless you tell a strong story. Now, that doesn't always mean brevity. Um, and brevity doesn't always mean being concise is not being short, right? Being concise means telling the story in the shortest way you can tell while being effective. So there's, you know, I forget who said this, but there is no such thing as too long of a copy, only too boring of a copy, right? Like you can write a, a half page paragraph that I can't even get through. Uh, or you can write a seven page case study that's just like I'm turning pages because this is really interesting. Right. You're you're speaking my language. You're telling me what I want to hear. You're solving my problem. So it really kind of goes back to earning their trust step by step and keeping them engaged through the journey. And the best way we can do that is, again, going back to truth, going back to genuine storytelling and um, using the customer's voice in that, because that's what they want to hear. That's what's interesting. Not what you want to say. They want to hear what their peers want to say. So true. And and so if I'm a marketing leader, and I'm like, okay, great. Like, I want to like catch up, you know, I want to like make up some ground here and, and get my company, you know, in, in a place where customer stories are, are not just a neutral, they're a true kind of competitive advantage. Bring us home. Like, where should I start if I'm that, that marketer, you know, how can I kind of get started with that? Yeah. Um, I think the best way to get started, Sam, is to go find your customer voice through one-on-one conversations, right? Get warmed up. Start jumping into customer success conversations and calls. Uh, Start jumping on sales calls and just first be a fly on the wall, speak up, have a conversation. Then you'll start to understand your customer's perspective, where they're coming from. At the same time, as a a company uh, and a brand and a product, you want to build some of this... um, 
your review presence is one channel, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. I work at Trust Radius and I, I live in this world, but I really stay in this world because I see this changing the way buyers buy and how vendors sell without having without having friction, right? Like there's going to be a better match when you connect the dots for them. So finding that voice through your customer testimonials, and we always advocate presence on multiple review sites, right? Like it's, it's not just like, hey, only come to Trust Radius. That, that's not how buyers buy. They go shop around. But what, when, when it comes to picking who you're going to ask for your content first, it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, which is you have very limited favors you can ask from customers. So how are you going to use those favors? You're going to ask them for, hey, can you give me a rating on this side and that side and that side? By the way, there's another side that popped up. Before you do that, you want to make sure that you capture the value that they can give you. So get depth with first touch. So um, being able to pull those conversations in, create a process for you to drive some reviews by yourself and going to a vendor like Trust Radius and, and working with them can help you accelerate that. But you want to start things, uh, seed things so you can get close to customers. You can you can understand you can start to bring in the language into your own storytelling. Um, and then scaling that is where you might need help. But starting it is really all in your hands as a marketer. I love that. And and yeah, I mean, personally speaking, like one of my you know favorite things about review sites, first, it's direct from the voice of the customer, right? Like, and I think, you know, as, as a lot of buyers know, when they read a, uh, a written case study, it's it's been massaged a lot. You know what I mean? It, maybe j- even just by the legal team of the testifying, you know, party. But yeah, I think that that direct, you know, that direct voice is incredibly valuable for not only, you know, uh, us to understand, you know, uh, for copywriting, as we talked about in, in, in our narrative, but also, you know, for prospects, right? That's one avenue, right, Sam? And, and as we talked about the importance of getting high quality testimonials, right? Like, the video review we talked about is the mother of all testimonials because it can be translated to so many other mediums. So if you have, find your your evangelists, find your best customers across use cases, across the verticals that you serve and go have a deep conversation with them like I had with, with Alex about intent data and see what you can capture and see what you can spin off. And then, you know, we signed up to work with you guys, Testimonial Hero, because you know, being a testimonial company, it's still hard for us to get that kind of high quality video. We don't specialize in in video. We do produce a lot of, you know, video reviews and video content, but it's not not like how you guys produce it. And that is really powerful for marketing. So um, I would really recommend finding the customers that are your biggest evangelist and capturing their kind of full narrative on video, which will really give you a great start for marketing because Again, converts to text, converts to audio, video clips, social, email, sales, whatever you want from, you can take one conversation and spin it off into a a set of assets that gives you a great boost. Well, fantastic. Harsha, how can people uh, get in touch with you if they want to connect and learn more? Yeah, um, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I love the platform, just the conversation that happens there. So um, definitely uh, look me up on LinkedIn, just search my name um, and there's not very many of me on there, luckily. So hopefully you can find me. Or right, my email is also harsha.kalapala at trustradius.com. It's that simple.
Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Harsha. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. So many, uh, so many great insights here. Uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. I, I love being on the show. Um, and it's a, it's a big honor to be one of your first guests. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Sam. Awesome. Well, that was a, a fantastic episode, folks, with Harsha Kalapala. So many good insights there. That is one I will be listening to uh, you know, again, uh, right after this, I think some of the key things to kind of, you know, underscore the importance of at first and foremost, defining your ICP, um, you know, getting clear on your ICP and, and then, you know, going to your customers and letting, you know, their real voice, you know, actually inform so much of your strategic narrative for product marketing, the, the copywriting, um, lots of good points around the buyer journey, not being linear, um, and you know, the need to self-serve, um, for, for buyers today. Thanks for listening. And as always, this is Sam from testimonial hero, and, uh, we look forward to, uh, another episode soon. And if you have any other guests you would recommend that you want to hear from, just shoot me an email. It's Sam at testimonialhero.com. And until next time, this has been the state of customer storytelling. <music>